Welcome everyone to season 10, episode one of the Euphoria podcast. Some of you may be confused as to why you're hearing my voice instead of the traditional smooth, sultry sound of Daniel Dracos, but I'm afraid he is away for the next two episodes. So you'll be hosted by me, Vedius, and I am joined by the two wonderful, magnanimous, beautiful, perfect people. Magnanimous. That are. Dude, this guy's adjectives. and Yamato. How are you both? I'm <laughs> feeling magnanimous. <laughs> wonderful. That's excellent, my friend. Uh, it's, how too, it's too early in the morning to think of uh, adjectives, but well, I want, I want to give you- It's 11. Yeah. It's early in the morning. I want to give you props for your alliteration there. You did, you. you did the soothe sounding sympathy. What did you do? The smooth sounding sultry, or the smooth sultry, sultry, sultry sounding voice of Daniel I learned Drake. that in English class. Right. Dangerous. Anyway, well, I have to do the thing, which is we are available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. So however you digest your podcasts, uh, feel free to use whatever platform you so choose. So today... We're going to be talking to Yamato Cannon, the head coach of Fnatic. Once again, thank you very much for being <laughs> here. It's an absolute pleasure <laughs> to have my longtime friend here with me for my first hosting experience. Uh, our current plan for the episode is we're going to do a short Q&A with Yamato. Uh, we're going to be talking about the big balance patch and our meta expectations. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of the main roster changes. And if we have time, we're going to do some cheeky predictions. You've got to do predictions. The thing is, the way, the way it works these days on YouTube, you've got to do predictions, then do like, both of us have to go like this before the end right and then we have to clip like question marks on the standings yeah, yeah, yeah. and then slap it on a thumbnail yeah no, mm. and then put it put it at the end you of the video YouTubed before that's how it goes that's how me and drake was do it these days i mean you're also nice. a youtuber aren't you no you do the, the voice the, the, the voice, voice of, of yamato. yamato i've been a, a guest it, on your show it comes and it goes yeah, yeah. it's like sometimes it's, yeah, well, i'm gonna do it's an like episode water. tomorrow and then it just never shows up yeah. <laughs> and it's like maybe one that's the mystery it keeps the mystery you're alive elusive, man. you know you, you, ke- you know you keep people interested in, in your shroud of mystery that's one way of saying shitty content great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, very quickly, how have you been Good. this off season? Good. Yeah? Magnanimous. Have you, uh, have you... What does that even mean? I don't know. Do you want to... I'm, I, <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> it sounds good. Medic is... What if you insulted me? Before. Medic's good No, it's, it's... Magnanimous is a good one. I'm really confident on that. But uh, it, it maybe it doesn't even apply to you. In any case, have you, like, developed any new habits, any new hobbies in the recent... New habits... Week? Mm, I spent a lot of time in nature. I played a lot of Pokemon oh. Go. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I just kept myself moving. Yeah. yeah I just kept myself moving. Uh, did a lot of uh, Tibetan rites, which is like stretches that you do when you wake up. That's good, man. Wow. I really need nice. to do that. Have yeah, you got any yeah. suggestions for people getting started? Yeah, Tibetan rites are pretty cool. I just skipped the move where you have to like spin around in a circle in the same spots. Okay. Yeah, that, it's, I, did, I did yoga last night. You have to do the downwards doggy. I look like a... Pringle. <laughs> Honestly, I could not even get my like, dude. I was like, I can't stretch it's, whatsoever. It's difficult. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's quite. I'm difficult. very inflexible. Some stretches would be too, great yeah. for me. It's like all of us when we're forty, we're gonna be like this. Yeah, it's like really goblins. Bad. Yeah. It's really bad. You know, recently I've started moisturizing a lot. Every morning and every evening, I moisturize. <laughs> oh, no. it's keep, Honestly, I do too. Yeah, it keeps the skin smooth. It's important for us gamers yeah, who yeah. you know never see sunlight. Mm-hmm. Wrist stretches as well. That I wish I was better at, but yeah. Right. See, this is a healthy podcast now. That's what I'm on about. I <laughs> we can to be know fitness what, influencers. Yeah, but like stretches, <laughs> moisturizing. What have you done in the off season? Give me a positive. Um, I played league. You played a lot of league. Mm. So it's not really a positive. Um, hey, it's, you know, invest in your hobbies. There's not, nothing wrong with that, my friend. I went home. That's nice. good. My parents got a new dog. Oh my nice. God, dogs are great. They and are a I, blessing on this world. And, and then I played league. Yeah, okay. So then. Well, that's fine. Mm. Well, anyway, now that we're all relaxed, let's get into the tough stuff. (laughs) (laughs) We're relaxed now. (laughs) Feeling magnanimous. Um, So, Yamato, talk to me about last split. 
Mm. Uh, Fnatic expectations were very high at the yes. end of the regular season, and then during playoffs, I think that you know started <clears throat> off strong, didn't end quite that way. So, can you give us a bit of a recap as to kind of like your thoughts on last split and kind of how it ended? Um, I think always like in spring, I think the difficulty always it's like you you make a new roster and then you need to get to know that roster. Because everyone functions very different under any dynamic. You yeah. can't like expect one player performed really well in, in, in a set team and then you're going to move them into a different team and expect them to like uh, uh, function the same. And um, the same way for the player, uh, their contribution is going to be very different for what they need to do in order to achieve success within a team. So uh, we walked into the split. Everyone had the expectation of us winning. And I think on paper, uh, roster-wise, uh, I think anything less but winning is, is uh, you know, it's like uh, unforgivable, you know. I'm not uh, happy about not winning. Uh, I think the expectations we put uh, were misaligned. And uh, I think throughout the split, uh, you know, in this process, for me personally, of, of getting to know the players, I think there were uh, a lot of certain, uh, like, behaviors within the team and certain things that uh, uh, I allowed to go too far. Right. And I think eventually we didn't really have an environment where we could grow and we were more about surviving. And then when we hit that first block, it all kind of uh, came crashing down on us. It was We were kind of like a ship that was leaking. Uh, and I think in, in principle, what we did in the day-to-day -day was not correct to uh, you know prepare us for what this dynamic needed. And I think with all of the information that we have in the spring, it's a lot easier to prepare for the summer split because, mm. you know, in the end, I think a, a big part of the mistake was as well, we, we moved offices in the middle of the split, which was tricky, right. fine. We got hit by COVID, fine. You know, this is something that happens to every team, right? Uh, but on top of that, it's like a lot of our contracts were quite delayed and we started practicing very, very late. Right. It's like G2, they started practicing, like they were scrimming already when we were... Uh, at Worlds last year, yeah. you know, they were trying to figure out the roster, they were screaming, they were getting to know each other, you know, that's that's pretty huge. Uh, I've I've come to terms with the idea of, of gathering that information goes such a long way. And I guess that's a quick summary of, uh, of, of some thoughts uh, cool. about Spring Split. So the one thing I always wanted to pick your brain on, sorry to mm. talk to you no, there, is the Rogue series. Okay. Because you guys looked quite confident in that series and you were 2-0 up in that series. Mm -hmm. And then it just felt like from my point of view as a caster to the fans' point of view, everything just kind of like crumbled and fell apart from that point onwards. When you said you kind of hit that wall, was that series one of those walls? Uh, yes. I, I would say, you know, uh, we, we had uh, quite poor practice most of the time. Uh, the rumors about us uh, scrimming very bad were very true. Like we were terrible in scrims, like really, really was bad. That, was that a new thing that it just happened um, towards the playoffs? No, it was a thing for the almost entire split, really? honestly. It's like we just practiced bad. Uh, we... Uh, often on, on on the scrim days, we would start off good, and then we would we would spiral very often. And um, uh, I think that series against like we managed to be professionals, prepare super well for for the matches. We managed to have the right conversations in terms of what we needed to be, because I do believe there were certain points in the split where we were the strongest team uh, in terms of like uh, performance. If I would have to like rate it, and then I think coming into the rogue series. All of the confidence we've built up through just performing when it matters, performing in the matches, um, that was kind of shattered in that moment. And in those moments, you need to begin to grasp at your foundation. And our foundation just wasn't strong as, as a group. And we had to dig deep. And I think in that moment, uh, 
you know, that realization of the things that occurred in scrims can now happen on stage. And, and we were, uh, you know, forced to face that very harsh truth. And um, we lost the momentum and uh, the, the illusion that we've built up for ourselves that uh, we are professionals, we, we are very experienced, we can pull through when it matters. Mm. It, it couldn't push us far enough to, to win the whole split. Like getting third place, you know, just because individually everyone's great. Uh, is good enough, but in the end, I think G2 just won out because they were a very strong group. And I think that's what win wins out always. And I think just something you said there, where it's like going back to your foundation, when the train derails, you go back to what's comfort. I think we kind of saw that in the series with yeah, like yeah. draft, right? I think, correct me if I'm wrong, was it the TF that was kind of like picked every now and then? I think correct that... me if I'm wrong, as he does know. Like, <laughs> no, oh, I'm just making sure because it's been a while ago. Um, that's what your definition of comfort is. That's what was working and was probably working yes, through yes. that split. So that's something you default to when things don't go right. And unfortunately, that, that foundation wasn't strong enough, as you said. So that was really interesting insight. Yeah. So that then leads me on to my next question, which was going mm. to be, what was your approach going to be coming into summer? Because obviously, I think a lot of fans still have very high expectations of this Fnatic roster. I would imagine that Worlds is the goal, at the very least, for all teams competing in the, the LEC. But I was curious as to how you were going to take things differently and as much as you can or are happy to share with us. Um, I think it's just from the get-go, like we need to run with the policy of honesty. You know, we have some... Uh, uh, maybe like... Introverts is a fair thing to say, I guess, uh, but a lot of people uh, within the team are like uh, really willing to just carry uh, their, their their thoughts and their tension uh, on their own neck. And I think I need to push for a policy of honesty, uh, uh, like we need to be very critical of each other in, in a compassionate way. And this is something that we are targeting from day one. We just want to make sure that uh, we are creating a culture that... Uh, allows mistakes and also, you know, allows to to give feedback. So for me, it was a lot of, you know, kind of soul searching and just finding my original self. Because when I look back at the teams where I found success, it was always the same elements, you know. It was just a, a hyper-aggressive approach towards improvement, where if you got beaten down, you got hungry to, 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 to force and find the change. If the enemy was stomping you mid-jungle, you figured out a way to become better mid-jungle. You just put all your effort in the right place. And um, this is something that we need to just build up from day one. And it's always tricky because in the process of getting to know players, you know, you try to think, oh, maybe this is something that you need to go through. Maybe this is something that you just needs to do. And then it kind of goes down a path and everyone is kind of exploring and finding themselves within that roster. Yeah. And I think um, uh, another important element is just to to align expectations and and, and putting... Uh, the right image and philosophy and vision in the mind of of the players and um, uh, for on our end now we have uh, a psychologist on the team which goes a super long way uh, sense I align with him super well shaves is on location too which is our uh, strategic coach it feels good to have support you know often it's it's, it's been uh, it, sometimes it feels lonely but to have like a, a group of of of, of uh, guys behind you not necessarily that. We didn't have support, but I think we were very, um, what, what's the correct term? Disjointed, uh, maybe? Uh, disjointed, yes. Like everyone put effort, but we were kind of just running laps around each mm, other yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. concentrating it in, 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 the, was, in the same area. Was Shaves on site for last bit? He was not on site. So yeah. you were kind of like a one-man army? Pretty much, yeah. Wow. That's a tough task with, you know, 
a, a team with that kind of expectation. So I had our performance coach who's no longer with us, Fab, like he's an absolute machine. You know, he was working super, super, super hard. But two people on site as well. It's like we have our manager and so forth. And everyone was doing super, super much. Everyone was mm. working super hard, but we weren't working together. And it's yeah, the same yeah. thing. It's like how the staff was functioning was very similar to how the players were functioning. It's yeah. like we were all good at what we're doing, yeah. but we're not working together. The same thing with the players. They're very good at what they're doing, but they were not working together. Mm. And everything kind of reflects on each other when you're working uh, in, in the same environment. You know, uh, when I think back to your previous teams, one of the ones that always jumps out was the giant slash vitality roster mm. that you had, you know. And I think about that roster. I didn't know the players in the same way that you did, but just having interacted with them that seemed like a very vocal honest open team that was very much about basically telling each other how they felt perhaps to the line at which it was it could be borderline toxic and unhealthy but i guess what is interesting listening to this is you're now kind of on the other end of the spectrum where you're trying to find that balance yes, between yes. like too much honesty where you're now just being rude and saying things you don't need to say versus guys i appreciate that we don't want to hurt each other's feelings but we've got to get some level of honesty out here because we're not going to get better if we can't actually talk to each other right pretty much yeah it's, it was very like similar also in sandbox because that was like the opposite experience right. it's like there if i if i create an, an idea everyone just you know, fall in line but, right. maybe, but maybe my idea was shit right and i had no idea of knowing because everything was going on in here wow and i remember there was this one time like we were playing, uh, uh, we were struggling against T1 every time. Like T1 was just like, we couldn't win scrims against T1. We couldn't beat T1 on stage. It was just, we we loaded into the game and it just felt like inevitable that we're going to lose. Mm. Just T1 specifically. Every other team, like Damo, we could beat in scrims. We could, we could beat all the other teams in scrims, but T1 was just uh, a tricky pickle. But I had this idea in mind. Okay, we're going to play Sona, Tarek, Hecarim. We're just going to throw them off. Yep. We're going to practice against our academy team, our second roster, and we're just going to throw them off. And in my mind, it's like, okay, they're, they're with me, you know? <laughs> they're, they're playing the championship. <laughs> they're on board, yeah, They're yeah. on board. But then it's like, as we, we are queuing up and, and like we're there on stage, I just realized after the fact, like we try it, didn't work, we abandon it. But I realized after the fact, it's like, these are just guys that agreed, even though they didn't want to do it. And mm -hmm. they just did it because I said that this is what we're going to do yeah right. which is fine to some degree right yeah. fine to some degree uh, but at the same time it's like in league of legends it's like the game is always changing yeah mm. so i need input it's yeah, like as a coach you need input it's like i'm not going to pretend to say that i know mid lane better than a humanoid knows mid lane right it's like I, I i understand the path of progression in league that's that's the only thing i understand i understand how to figure out what's good and i understand how to get better but what is the best optimal play every single moment to pretend to say that I know that for every single role every time. Like I can do it if I sit down and study it. That's okay. But with this in mind, it's like you always need input from players. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. And it's like I, I try to push for this in sandbox. Try to push for it. We need to be honest. We need to be honest. And the, and the same thing, I guess, to some degree, not to the same level. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because this was like the, the really, really far end of it. Um, in our team, uh, it is to some degree the same thing as you mentioned yeah. yeah that's really interesting it's the same as my experience as a pro it's like every now and then the coach just come to you be like this jungle matchup is it playable mid jungle top jungle how's it 2v2 um when do you win this matchup and you will always have your own personal input and i think some opinions can differ depending on your experiences with it right yeah like you can play 
Jarvan into Lee Sin. And of course, this 1v1 matchup, in my experience, is just terrible. Like, Lee Sin just always wins. But you might have some junglers who are just like, yeah, just pick it for me. I don't care if I lose 1v1, you know, I, yeah. I'll play for team. Then you have other junglers who are like, ah, nah, I lose 1v1, I don't really want to pick it. So when you have all these players coming from different teams together as a team, not only is it like, uh, they've been taught different concepts with different names or they found different ways to play the game but even from draft they're like this matchup's good this matchup's bad maybe your top laner can't play like nar into jace or something because he thinks it's terrible and maybe it is but then you have other top laners who are just like ah, i'll just play it doesn't matter you know um so finding balance i think is it's, it's quite difficult sometimes yeah, yeah. and to, to add it's like i when i was joining splice uh then i had like this roster that just played challenger series wonder kobe uh, and, and so forth, Senkooks, uh, Cold, and, uh, and Nisbet. I didn't want to forget the name. It was, I would feel too bad. Uh, it's like at that point where I had just five rookies, at that point I could say, yo, we need to play like this, we need to do this. And it's like it's a completely different level because they are just re-exploring their ideas for the first time. Like yeah. They're they just uh, figuring out the game for the first time. Then it's very different. Then you can set clear outlines and then you need to educate players on how to figure out the game rather than how to play the game because mm. in the end you get thrown into uh, the game and then all of a sudden enemy ad gets triple kill how does that change the game you need to be very quick on your feet and you need to be able to reassess always and the same thing with with vitality in the beginning it was like me and Cabo. we set the foundation for how we wanted to play and then the players added onto that and now the different challenges now when i have players that are experienced rather than pushing my idea onto them it's more important for me to push their ideas onto each other. So I need to understand yeah. how they think about the game. So when Marek thinks about macro specific way, when I want to talk to the other players about it, that we are carrying the same idea because the game can be played in, in, in different niche ways. Hmm. And it's very important that the players align. That's always the challenge. Yeah. It's kind of like starting off and forming ideas and then coming to those ideas together rather than the other side which you're talking about is like yes, molding yes. your already established ideas into different ones to form like five fingers into a fist yeah. yes yes yeah That's it was interesting that you said something i'll never forget this i had a teacher in a school that um i was doing this like really big end of school chemistry project you're comfortable yeah, yeah. <laughs> good 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 i'm happy that's what i care about McNannis. Um, nice um but she she taught me like I kept coming to her asking her questions like every week every week and then she would she one day she said okay one of the skills you need to learn is learning how to learn mm. um, and I'd become so dependent on her as a teacher to educate me on the things that I couldn't be independent in actually learning things for myself and the ability to actually go away figure things out by myself and understanding how I wanted to approach things was like really profound and actually very life-changing at the yeah. time in terms of how I then progressed in the future because it helped me become very introspective and uh, my ability to improve became much stronger the second you learn how to learn. And it was interesting that uh, you commented on that and like your approach and bring to the teams because it's not only that, your ability to then successfully communicate your thoughts with other people and then finding not even necessarily alignment. It, I, I often feel like it can be a compromise more often than alignment because you don't need everyone to be agreed on the exact same thought process. I mean, maybe you can counter me on this, but uh, I feel like it's more about making sure that you all just agree to at least try the idea rather than we all have to have the exact same idea, right? I think it's just, it, it, it comes from the idea of like finding an understanding. Right? Yes. Not necessarily like complete agreement, it's just yes. an understanding. Yes. It's like if, if my teammate does this, he wants me to do this yeah, and I'm going to yeah, yeah. trust him along that thought process. Yes. Because if, if he does that, and I do something completely different, 
then we'll never find out and we'll have like a 40 minute review about yeah. well if we did this we would have won that going in yeah, circles yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah. right 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 and it's like there's a saying uh, that i really like to to just put the the needle in in how what's the saying in in the butt the cherry on the cake the cherry, the cherry on, the on the cake, cake <laughs> is the one i thought of yeah <laughs> the cherry on the cake the, the needle, needle in, in the, the butt the motto in the butt yeah it's a famous saying there's a saying looking for wisdom is already wisdom Ah, Bruh. I like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't say it. I didn't well, say it. on that bombshell, let's um, move to now initial thoughts on the meta. Mm -hmm. You've been scrimming a bit. You've been playing a disgusting amount of solo queue. Uh, we've all experienced the new changes on 12.10. There are even more changes Love on 12.11. Yeah, and I do feel Woo! like I've, I've enjoyed <laughs> overall lower damage, slightly more durability. Everyone just seems that bit tankier. Um, but let's just start with you, Yamada. What are your initial impressions of the meta? And like, you know, you can go in as depth as you want. Obviously, you have a lot more insight than perhaps we do. But uh, give me your initial impressions on, on the meta. I like it. Yeah. Picasso. Like, <laughs> I like it. Picasso. It's, it's so good. Like, the game is so fun. Tell it's me like, why. Tell I, me why. I played this game for 12 years. Because it's like, I, it feels like your decisions actually matter. You know? I, I think... It feels like your decisions matter. It feels like um, there is a clear idea of how you have to use your resources when you fight. I think laning has gotten a little bit easier, yeah. uh, but it also invites uh, champions that uh, haven't been played as much before due to it. It's like we see like the Shy is blind picking Kale, mm -hmm. people Huge blind head. picking Vladimir, blind picking Fiora. Yeah. It just opens up. This, this whole world of, uh, you know, what could we do different? And uh, that to me is always exciting. It's like whatever change comes, like I am very happy when Riot changes uh, things in, in a drastic manner. And I think this um, just allows the game to, to, to play at a more reasonable pace because I think too many aspects of the game were just revolving around getting one shot. Everyone was being, buying a stopwatch and... And then it was that that was just the gaming, you know. It's like the, the it's like shit, shit, get hit. It's like the first person that shows his face on the rift uh, towards the dragon fight. That person gets one shot. Jinx gets a reset. Viego gets a reset. Everybody gets a reset, and the fight <laughs> is over. And that yeah. wasn't that wasn't fun to me. Right. Yeah. No, I've I've been watching a lot of LPL, um, but they're on twelve ten. Yeah. And we were talking about this on the way here that obviously there's nerfs to towers. Uh, they do a lot less damage. Well, let's start by 12, saying 11. all of the towers were buffed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the they've towers, been buffed and then they've kind of... And then on this on this patch, the, the amount of damage that they do has been nerfed slightly. Yeah. Um, so which towers was that specifically? I'm sure you're looking that up now. Was it outers, inners? Was it all of them? While well, you're looking that up, I'll just go on my rant I anyway. believe it was the tier one, but I can have a little um, check. Yeah, something I noticed a lot in the LPL was a lot last split, you would just pick Galio, TF, Rise, whatever it would be, like any roaming mid, stack a wave bot or get a one good trade bot and automatically dive is on the cards for everyone. Uh, and like diving was almost like the backbone of League of Legends of how to punish someone, whether it was a lane gank, invading, and then diving, of course. Um, but then I watched the first few games of LPL and I'm seeing SOFM trying to dive people's bot lanes and he's just getting, he's just dying. Like he's just giving over double buffs to the enemy to carry like twice, I think it was. No one's diving anyone. The Shy can pick Kale, have bad waves, get stacked on, but just chill under his tower. Um, so the game just looks a lot slower to me. And it kind of does, like you say, open up like this plethora of champions, which we haven't seen too much, or maybe we only really see during counter picks, where like Fioret won't get punished and she can, she can hit her, her item breakpoint of one item. Uh, or Kale can do the same thing. 
Um, I've seen ADKL, APKL. I saw the Shy building uh, Crown Banshee's Veil on Kale. So I don't want to talk about the build too much because that was the patch that Crown didn't even get buffed on. So I didn't really right. get that at all. <laughs> um, but definitely scaling is more rewarded. I think the first thing one of the pros said to me was Enchanter support is going to be broken. Right. From, this patch, from this patch change. And at first I was a bit, mm, not so sure. I watched the LPL, Senna, Tamkench, really high prio. Lucian, Nami, still high prio. I was expecting Kogmo, Lulu, Talia out the gates, you know, over these OP champs from solo queue. Didn't see any of it. Um, so I'm wondering how 12-11 is, because I think the, the shift from 12-10 to 12-11 is actually quite big. Not as big yes. as the 12-10 full changes, but we've gone backwards a tiny bit with the tower changes, so I'm not so sure so, where the middle ground is. Uh, with regards to the tower, basically all of them were buffed. All of the yep. boomer damage. The, the Nexus ones in particular were very significant. Mm -hmm. um, and then on 12.11, they then reduced it a little bit. Is that um, all of them? Yes. Okay. Uh, I think I to mean, point out, though, the unique thing about uh, the towers is that it scales with time. Yes. So it's like early on still dives are possible because yes. you're in the same, it's a very similar range. But Correct. After 10 minutes, you just don't dive anymore. It's not possible. Eight minutes, it already begins, begins to become too hard. Yeah. But early, if you do that on the on the, on the the cannon wave, it's still, yeah. still a possibility. And but drafting around that doesn't seem to be that much of a thing uh, anymore, at least from what I see. Yeah, and there's like so many minute things that could come into change. Like the meta will take weeks and weeks for people to figure out yeah, properly. Yeah. Um, but like even just think of small game states, right? You just think of an easy game state. 10 minutes in, the first thing I think of is like a cross map, right? Where both top laners are on opposite sides of the map. One team's like getting Herald and maybe you're not getting it. This meta is a bit different now because everyone just fights Herald no matter what, especially yeah, yeah. teams like T1. But in that instance, both teams will just die of the opposite side top laner and they'll have to back off, right? But now I'm wondering, past 10 minutes, maybe they could stay under their tower. How does that change the game? Can you actually die of them on a cross map? Is it better to go towards mid, you know? Um, but these kind of changes, I don't think they change the game too much because I think you can just overcommit and do it anyway. But it just, just poses the question, I think. So just to clarify, 12-11, the outer towers are the only ones that were nerfed. So tier two, tier three, and the Nexus ones They're all still, the same. still slap. Um, <laughs> but uh, these ones, like, yeah, it was... So the, those early towers, the, the tier ones, in theory, are slightly more viable than it was in the previous patch. But before we, like, to get into that, I, I want to ask you both about the meta that we saw from MSI because we saw a lot more priority on things like Herald. Um, we saw a lot of investment into like early game control into then like dragon stacking. We saw a lot of team fight focus. Um, often there are two things that kind of like either the systems in the game are too strong to ignore. So the meta gets built around them. Alternatively, certain champions are way too strong. So the meta ends up getting built around them and I feel like that even though these tower changes have happened, it still feels like that Herald's power is still very prominent. The dragging stacking is still something that can't really be ignored. So my question to both of you is going to be very much about, do we think that the overall meta in terms of team fighting, scaling is going to be the same? Or are we going to see more variation compared to what we saw last split in MSI? Um... I'll just start off by saying I think there's so many, I think this year specifically Riot has just introduced so many variables that rewards not fighting from objective bounties to that point now towers being like buffed to a sense, especially tier twos, right. where you can afford to give things up. But I feel like if a good team is in the driver's seat and they are ahead and you are giving them heralds for free without contesting, then they're just going to run away with it, right? Despite these objective bounties, as long as you play your game well, you will win the game. So I think you're right in saying that Herald is just in my opinion, just too strong not to fight for. Gives way too much tempo on the map. I think T1 was probably the number one team who just drops early dragons and plays for heralds yes. from what I saw. 
Um, and I think it just allows you to dictate the pace of the game because if I'm the jungler with Herald at eight minutes, if I go top or bot, like you have to match me no matter what. Because even if you try to cross map, you can maybe get a dive off, get a plate in base. Um, diving's a bit harder now anyway. Um, but I have to Herald, you have to defend, otherwise I'm getting a full tower, maybe even tier two, depending on how my tempo is, right? So uh, I just think Heralds are just so broken. But what I will say is I didn't see too many team fighting supports in the LPL. Um, Tom Kench was picked up every now and then. Um, Ezreal Brown, a little bit of Nautilus. There wasn't as much like Rakan, Leona, you know, too, right? a lot of Renato as well. Uh, maybe they do fall into that team fight kind of category. But when I think of like full team fight, I think of like just engaged supports yeah, like course, Rakan, yeah. Leona, right? Uh, they weren't picked up as much. So I wonder what your thoughts are. Um, like on my end, it's like the, the game of League of Legends is what are the decisions you can take to make you stronger for the fight that will decide the game? Right. Okay. And it's always a give and take because because it's like I, I could draft a composition that is designed around getting uh, the herald and then lose anyway uh, because the enemy the like I think a good example was this game we saw LNG uh, versus um, whoever BLG? was it BLG maybe uh, like they played like Corky mid against Galio and they played Lucian Nami against Kalista Nautilus so there was like a Wukong Galio Lucian Nami. And they secured the heralds. It's like a composition that is designed to just murder you when they reach level six. But then with time, it's like they got two drakes. And then at some point, Corky just got two items. He started picking up his packages when it mattered. And then this advantage that they accrued, which was like two, three thousand, it just didn't matter at all. Because the point that where they reached the point where the game is going to be decided, that fight before the Nasher, they just weren't strong enough. And... I think this is where things get uh, very interesting because you can overdo it. It's like you can overcompensate and put yourself in a position where you overcommit for the Herald in the draft phase just because you want to be stronger early and then you can find yourself in a position where you're weaker later uh, because you didn't have a big enough payoff. And that to me is always the the detailed part about how you need to draft and the the... The quality of, of, of draft is defined by this. It's like, how much can you give up and still be stronger? Or how much do you need to take in order to be stronger? Because in the end, the game is... It's like, whatever happened before the final fight in the game, mm. no, it, it doesn't matter in the end. It's like, that final fight, are you stronger there or not? Uh, that's what matters. So every decision needs to follow in line with that. And I think it was, it was interesting to see LNG's approach uh, in that game. And it's something that we can and will see more often when these champions are, uh, you know, a lot, it's a lot harder to make them bleed just as much. Mm. But I think the beauty of Herald, because we mentioned Herald, is it's not necessarily that, you know, you get gold and in most time, and most times gold is just better than the Drakes that you're going to get because it's concentrated gold in a lot of cases. Sometimes you have five people hitting a tower and taking it with Herald and it's like this just gold for everyone and it just sucks. But... I think the, the 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 powerful thing about Herald is the fact that when you hold it, the enemy is just constricted because they have to match. It's like if they mismatch and you gank top and the enemy uh, team is just going to break a full bot tower, you just can't do anything. So you're basically constricted until that Rift Herald is placed. And I think this is something that I see more and more teams leverage over others where the enemy team just needs to wait and react because when the Herald is placed, they need to match and defend the dive and then all is good. But within that time period, it slows down the game immensely. And I think this is also another attribute as to why some of these scaling champions can uh, work uh, a little bit better. Because design-wise, it's a benefit for the, time, the team that wants more time within the game. 
So I'm yeah. happy to see more of these scaling champions and so forth because there will be a discussion of, oh, I'm going to sacrifice the Herald, I'm going to sacrifice this, and then at one point I will be a lot stronger and I will carry my team. You know? One thing I will say just before we jump in is just a really good example of what he's talking about. Maybe an extreme version would be like Damwon Genji game five of the playoffs in spring where you're playing Renekton Nidalee mid jungle, right? Mm. And you can get the Herald, you can get Drakes, you can get two levels, three levels up on the enemy jungler. But eventually at a certain break point, gold slightly becomes irrelevant depending on how your composition is formed, right? And yes, you can make mistakes and overdive, but even being 8k gold up, 7k gold up with that comp, the enemy team starts to slowly win team fights because sure. time is your worst enemy, basically. So, like, we've talked a little bit about some of the nuances, um, and I kind of want to bring us a little bit more back big picture because one of the things that the sentiment that I'm getting right now is it seems that scaling is going to be slightly more favored is the current expectations. Like, you talked a little bit about it. We've been seeing it in the LPL. You've been talking about a little bit more, Yamato, about how there's slightly more durability. One of the things I think of a lot is um, the, the threat, right? And what I mean by that is... Let's say you pick a Gangplank, right? Mm -hmm. So Yamato, he's put Wonder on Gangplank and said, here you go, off you do, you'll be fine, good luck. But the enemy team has drafted in a way in which they can stack up that wave, level three, and they're going to look to try and dive that Gangplank, right? And if they get that kill, this suddenly means that your top side of the map is that much weaker in the early game, and they can play the Herald because they should get priority, and there's all this control they have, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. In theory, the changes mean that not only is Wonder now slightly harder to dive, but also because the champions have all been made slightly more durable, he also just has more tools individually to survive as well. So this to me suggests that early game agency and ability to actually start building these early game leads is harder. Would you agree with that? I would say, I, I believe the turrets, uh, I, I don't know how much stronger they are in the first not, like, three, four minutes. Not massively. I, 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 don't, I don't even know if they're stronger at all. I think they are similar. But nevertheless, I think the difference is so small, it doesn't matter. I think it's more about like past the, like that first initial dive, sure you can do. But I think something that Kato mentions is the, like the, the mid lane champs. It's like when Galio has prior and his uh, Galio and the jungler hovers into bot, it's not as easy to just murder the bot lane, you know, right. in one go, hmm. or just murder your top lane in one go. I think this is this has become a lot more difficult, and I think this is where it will become a lot harder to just accelerate the game. Yeah, It's like you can create a circumstance where just, you just play around, taking your own jungle camps, playing around, catching your own waves, and the gold generation is kind of at a standstill. So you are in a position where... I think now, often, more often, we will see that teams are going to take the six-minute drakes rather than posturing for the dives. Right. Uh, the six-minute drakes, and then we will see the moments where uh, if people get the accelerated soul point, like that is going to be like the main break point. It's like if a team has three drakes and they got, let's say, two heralds during that time span, is that good enough to 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 break whatever the enemy team like put on the table? Dives are still uh, possible. I think they're just a little bit harder and a little bit more champion dependent. Mm. Uh, and, and I think we will still still see more of it. And I think maybe, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden people are just going to first pick Volibear everywhere and just, like, dive you. You just, you just Q and then all of a sudden Nautilus hooks you and you just get one shot and then Volibear has ult and then all of a sudden we have the same game. Right. Kalista ults you and then dives are going to be uh, just as easy. That could happen. Bring but back Elise. <laughs> bring back Elise, yeah. <laughs> Vladimir Pool, you know. There's like champs that are better at it and there's champions that are worse at it both mm -hmm. at surviving and also so diving. So maybe there's a world where, you know, we're going to, you know, go deep into that end or go deep into the other end. I feel like now it's a little bit too too early to say. 
For sure. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I think the reality is people are still figuring everything out, right? Like yeah, um, yeah. Scout was playing Azir. We were just mentioning Corky was being picked. But we're also still seeing like remnants of uh, roaming sports. I think it was... Um, we saw Gallio with Aftershock in the LPL as well, who was trying to make those roams happen without Camille, you know. Um, and like you said, you know, the old meta in, sp in spring, click of the finger, Gallio has one midwave in your jungle's bot side. Now you're now the bot lane is being told they either have to stay on a tower and you can TP in and try to save them, or they have to stand at their tier two and dance until you can base, right? Um, there's one thing I'll never forget: 2020, um, Christ joined our team in summer, and we looked at his solo queue account, and it was Jax and Kale every game and Vladimir, and the meta was like Orn, a little bit of Jace. Uh, Kale was not in that meta at all. It was slowly coming in as an Orin counterpick, but it was so difficult to pull off. Um, and we screamed, I think it was G2 or something, and we were like, okay, we're going to try Kale out because, you know, maybe we can be a cheese pick. We can, we right. pick it, we can pick it uh, on stage that weekend. Um, we get a blind pick Orin in game one. We're like, oh shit, yeah, let, let's pick Kale. It's good. Um, level three is dove, stacked wave, dead. And I was like, okay. So review going through review, he's like, yeah, I need to cover this dive. And then two, game two, game three, every game we picked Kale three wave stack into level three dive every game. And obviously by game three, I'm pathing top every game to try and cover him. Um, and then obviously I'm the one that's screwed because I'm losing my Krugs and my Grom because I get pushed out. Right. Uh, and we made this rule. If we pick Kale, have to path top, have to cover the early dive. And after that, Christ will carry. Um, and that was how it worked when he got to like, when we, that one dive was stopped and he didn't have to burn his TP on death because that was the worst thing. Right. What would happen is he would die, TP back and his wave would be pushing out. Yes, yes, then yes, he's yes. screwed. Yeah. Um, if I can just cover him on that wave and help him get some kind of push out, he does his own base, TP's back on the wave and crashes it, then we're okay. You know, he can just scale. Um, but that was the number one rule of picking Kale. Now I thought, think to myself, I see the shy blind picking and I'm like, he's not getting dove. His wave sucks. He's just pushing it in anyway, like solo almost. And then like the enemy jungler comes and he was like an, I don't know if it was an Olaf or, or, or a Zinzal. He just survives 1v1, runs away and like just bases. He doesn't really care. So I'm just looking at this games and I'm just like, this Kale, it's, there's nothing wrong with it in the early game. He's playing against like a Jace or something or I can't remember what it was, a Camille. And he was like down 5-6 CS at minute 10. I was just kind of looking at it like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, it's different now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's super interesting. I'm very excited to see what uh, different champions. I'm sure Fnatic have a slew of different ones. Um, Belveth will not be available week one. Um, no, I would pick it anyway. Yeah. Well, you say that, but I will never Zerk's forget. Just comes I will never forget. <laughs> <laughs> so for those that don't watch on YouTube, Yamato just did his Belveth impression. Would highly recommend that you uh, check that out. Um, but you, you told me specifically that any new champion that Riot releases will always be broken on release. There's a new rule now. There's a new rule. Not on release. The patch after the release. <laughs> okay. That's the new rule. But didn't you play Renata on release? I, you were the first team in Europe, yeah, I Renata, remember. There's no rule. Okay. The champion design team is very vast. I, I think it's, it's a high chance it'll be broken on release, but there'll be a small chance it'll be useless. I think like Rel on release was... Ivan on release was a bit true. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Belveth so, falls into that. So category. it's either patch one, it's broken, and if it's not, it's patch two For that sure, it's broken. Yeah. Because it okay. has to be broken on release, so everyone plays it, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, this champ exists." Okay, okay. Or it has to be buffed to a point where everyone plays it, and everyone knows it exists. Yeah. Rel never hit either of those. I feel like. Well, I mean, Rel was <laughs> first pick, first ban for a period of time. I, I remember a time where like half the people that I was playing with or pros like Rel like yeah this is not really a champion yeah, and then eventually it hit a point where it was like good again or like it was good with yeah, yeah, like yeah, a yeah. mini spot matchup but like to me Rel is the one champ which I'll forget ever was like kind of released sometimes I'll think of like the OPs you know like Ozeri, Viego, Renata yeah season well we're 12. talking about Rel most people on this podcast have probably never seen a Rel uh so we're gonna swiftly move on because 
Uh, I want to talk a little bit about <laughs> what, what, what was that about? <laughs> I don't know. If okay, it was, it was, a, it, was a, it was a it was a it was a dig at the fact that no one plays Rel. You know how okay. like Skarna mains? There's only like three of them. So yeah. people, if you mention Skarna, people uh, don't know who Skarna is. pretty good because, right now. Uh, really? Leaked. Yeah. If you oh. want to climb, Predator Face Rush. Wait, isn't Gilius an OG Skarna player? I think Zerse was also a Skarna player. I'm trying to think of all the other Skarna. I was an OG Skarna player. I think anyone that's that is considered like a relic at this point played Skarna at some point. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's <laughs> Great. fair. All right. Um, I want to talk about the roster changes. Uh, some of you may notice that we have Maorang and Trimby behind us. Oh, yeah, we probably should have said that. Yeah, well, that's why I'm mentioning it now. Relax. <laughs> you say I'm roster a good changes, host. and then you probably <laughs> yeah, see these two. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Rogue fans are like, what? Now, uh, they're they're right, gone. What? It's, a, <laughs> it's important to know that uh, we will have returning the Euphoria MVP um these two are the previous euphoria mvp winners they were tied yes they were tied mm. um so they both earned a spot and well, how, do, how does it get tied they both earned the same amount of MVPs. Because it, so you get oh. you get one mvp per week the previous hosts okay so it's like the the winners of season the nine yes. yes okay so uh yamato okay <laughs> round of applause yes well done <laughs> nice. um yamato unfortunately i don't believe coaches are in the running Ever since the Daylor incident. Um, Daylor is the one that got away. Yeah, Daylor is... No, back, back in the day, people got MVP for playing two games of Brom. <laughs> I remember true. that. Do you, do you remember this? Yes. No. It was like, Yankos, first blood, two games. And then it was like MVP jungler of the week. And it was like, I think it was hybrid, two games on Brom. <laughs> is, that <laughs> is that how you guys used yeah. to do it? It's it was like, the, 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 like, top lane, so, Four solo kills, kickies, yeah. <laughs> Wait, yeah. you should get. We should do that again and get him to voice over it. Wait, that sounds awesome. Two MVP of the week. Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, we can reevaluate that when we get to the bets later. But it's like you know, Rivington does those voiceovers for like plays in the LCS and stuff. We should get Yamato to do it in the LCS. Yeah, he has a wonderful voice. Plays we of the all week. know he's famous for his Azir impression and the battleship. What do you mean Azir? I'm not gonna spend my time guessing up the other teammates, <laughs> no, the <yeah>. players. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's fair. He does a wonderful uh, Sharima impression. I'm not going to ask him to do it now. If he's feeling it, he can do it, but it's up to him. You don't have to. Why are you looking at like You don't that? have to enable him. You don't have to. <laughs> I love how you're just like, I'm not going to enable. Well, I want to give him the choice. It's up to him if he wants to do it, but I'm not going to force the, him. To. The thing is, that, that, that quote. Yeah. It's like, no one says it. What's the quote? I just made it up myself. It's like, Azur, Emperor of Shurima. Oh. And it's it's like, no one says it. But it's so no, so when you true. lock it in, it doesn't, he doesn't say that. No, he doesn't. I can't remember what he says. I don't know. I no one plays muted. Azir here. The reason I have my client muted is because when the when the Q pops, it... the only one I remember all the time is Nazis because he always says. So the cycle of life and death continues. We, we will live. live. They will die. It's so Ooh. cool. It's so baller. Anyway, um, Ross this changes. This is where Draven shines. Oh, that was really good. <laughs> that one Thank is you. really good. How you know about the magic trick? Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm gonna move us along Card. now. The reason why I brought up the Malrang and the Trimby cutout was because other players will have an opportunity to win the Euphoria MVP that we obviously won't have one this week because no one's played. Um, but let's talk about roster we'll give it changes. To let's yes! one point for Yamato. Let's talk about vitality. They have acquired Haru yep. in the jungle. Self-made has been benched. A surprise to some, perhaps not to others. Um, and then they also expect to get Bo in as a uh, sub to help learn and potentially join the roster in the future. Mm. Um, but 
what do we think about the acquisition of Haru? And for those that don't know, Haru has a very long history in the OCK. Recently, he's been playing in the NLC as a part of X7. Very storied, very well-known juggler. Yep. Um, very good. Um, yeah, and uh, I think the most important thing about this uh, import of Haru is his English is really good as well because he's played in, uh, I think, a couple different regions which were English-speaking. Yeah. Um, so that's really important when it comes to integrating because a lot of times you have like Korean players come over, they're insane, they are either homesick or they're finding it hard to kind of communicate or they have to have English lessons. Haru won't probably have any of that. Um, in, in NLC, I watched a couple of his games, he was basically smashing every jungler. I mean, he had Tempt by his side, so they obviously had like that kind of synergy as a mid-jungle where they can just kind of speak Korean to each other. I think Temp wouldn't be able to speak much English. He can kind of facilitate that. Makes life a little bit easier when you're playing the game. Uh, yeah, they were smashing everyone. Uh, in solo queue, he had some insane win rates, insane KDAs. He was really high low. His name was Villager C. Uh, that's about all I know of him from this year. Um, sure. I know that a lot of people are saying he's really insane. Uh, to me, he looked pretty goddamn good as well. Um, definitely the best player in EU Masters, I think. Or the best player in the ERLs was probably Haru, I think. Uh, so Vitality just snatched him up straight away. Um, so my, my question to you would be one of the consistent narratives we had for Vitality Last Split was it felt like our, we were watching five very good players play League of Legends but we were not watching a team like there was a severe lack of identity with that roster where we saw different champions every week we saw different play styles like they were experimenting through the roof and they said come playoffs we'll lock it in and then they just didn't do you think this this jungle change will give them more of an identity or do you think we're just going to see more of the same with just a different jungle I think, I think Vitality had a lot of problems in spring, but I think maybe Haru could duct tape a lot of them together. Um, I think it will also help the mood in the team or whatever is going on in the team because you bring in another player, it always instantly makes a honeymoon phase, especially right. when a player has so much impact like the jungle role. Um, so I think Vitality will be stronger than they were last bit because I think Haru will probably be incredibly consistent and ex extremely willing to give up things or just be like, you know what, screw it. Yeah, you guys will carry if I do this or this or sure. this. Um, so yeah, I think they'll improve. The Bo question to me is the most interesting because when I watched Bo in the LPL, I think he's 14, 10 and zero or something. When he joined FPX, he was smashing absolutely everyone. This guy was psycho. Uh, but then obviously he got benched because he did some match fixing in the LD uh, LDL. Um, and everyone in China, I heard, just hated him basically. And his reputation was in the ground. So his career in, in, in Asia was very unlikely to continue. So bringing him over to the West is I think a snatch for the t player of that talent. Um, I don't know if he'll be starting this year. I don't know if he's even here. I don't know if he's uh, contracted for how long. Right. But I think the expectation was 2023 is when this player will start to show his face on the LEC stage. So I think he will be, I presume, watching the scrims and giving input to Haru. Um, but I don't think we'll see him too much to split. Imano? Yeah, I, I think uh, on paper, two very strong junglers. Uh, I think uh, anything that I saw from the NLC with Haru, I think was really good. I agree with that sentiment for sure. I think Bo, uh, the matches that he played, was also an absolute machine, uh, at least in, in my memory. It's not that recent. Uh, I think, you know, in, in regards to uh, Selfmade's contribution last split, I think from outside, he looked like the, the best performing member of the team, right? But I understand as good as anyone else that um, uh, within a team, there's a lot of moving factors and there's a lot of you know, importance to how the day-to-day -day looks like and how you align as a team. And I think uh, probably, I'd, I'd be very surprised if a roster like Vitalities and with uh, the addition of someone like Haru with so much experience that they don't figure out the problems that they have. 
I don't think it's necessarily tied to the jungle role itself. It's more about how the team, you know, actually wins games that right. is less reliant on uh, the enemy team just making mistakes because that is like the majority of most regular split games. It's like one side griefing and the other side just capitalizing. And then some habits get built up over time where you become almost too reliant on the enemy griefing for you to to win. And I've been in that position, for example, in 2021, Spring Split Fnatic was definitely reliant on like enemy teams griefing. And then when mm. we played Schalke, we got 3-0 because Schalke just said, uh, if we wait, eventually Fnatic will dive and all die. <laughs> I remember, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a very good strategy. Props uh, to Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, all in all, uh, I think... This type of a change in terms of the experience that they have, I think, can be in 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 the good direction. You know, I think that's a very good point. When I look at uh, Korean players, Asian players in general, specifically Korea, they the way they play in Vision as a team is they wait for mistakes or they make very little mistakes. Like um, when I watch a lot of LCK, it's very very unlikely you'll see a, a player individually make a mistake or a team individually as a team just make a big mistake to just blow the game open. And maybe Haru can kind of bring that to vitality where it's like. Jungle won't make mistakes, but if they do make mistakes, he'll jump on it. Um, maybe he won't overforce plays or make these insane dives that could happen or blow the game open for his team, but at least it gives consistency. And consistency could be key when you have players like Perks, Alfari, and Karzi, when maybe if they feel comfortable, they can go back to the high highs that we've seen from them. Okay. Um, but I think he's right. I think it, with Haru coming in, with Bo being there, I think they brought even more coaching stuff on. Like... I hate, dude, I don't want to say it because we've said it so much through spring, but it's like, surely, <laughs> surely this team is going to like uh, fulfill what we expect from them. They're, well, surely I, they're going to make it to a finals weekend. I will say that fan expectation is low right now. It seems. I, my expectation is low too. Yeah. And, oh, so you're still like... I'm, I'm not buying into this. You're surely. not buying in? No. Okay. I mean, that's fair. Are you buying in? Do you think they'll be um, fighting with you at the top or? I, I don't know. I think... I think the the issues last split were are tough ones to solve. Right. So it's it's definitely a, a challenge. I think a lot of the play that I saw from them was is, is very outdated. Okay. And it was very eye opening to me to to work with with Marek because he came from Mad Lions and he had the same opinion of every team. It's like every team in the LEC, like when they won back to back splits, is just playing really outdated League of Legends. And I think you could see uh, like a remnants of that. And I think it stood out to me also with Vitality. So maybe if they manage to figure that out, you know, in terms of, you know, updating uh, how they approach the map and how they open up and so forth, then they could definitely, you know, they have a roster to, to be contenders for sure. Okay. I'm not, not going to disrespect them at all, for sure. Of course. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. a tough challenge. For sure. Mm. Right. So Vitality mixed opinions which is always good Enjoy i that. think that's kind of vitality story of the year ever since that week yeah. one when they went zero three it was just everyone has a mixed opinion forever yes. right yeah, and yeah, yeah. then we see signs of them being insane and they yeah, suck yeah, again yeah, you know yeah. so well this is what we talked about like uh, this is why i kind of i see them as a team that really lacked that identity and uh, mm. I'm, I'm curious as to how they'll they'll form up mad lions they acquired niski a man you are very familiar with yourself yeah um i imagine that you you obviously have a very high opinion of the mid laner um, and I think that when we look at Mad Lions, they had back-to-back -back titles into then seventh place. Um, I think that... You don't have to say it like that, buddy. I yeah, finished seventh yeah. as well. <laughs> seventh place. <Yeah. laughs> well, Carry it on. was more just like in terms of what they achieved into then what they did. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Pretty massive fall from grace, right? And I, I believe that El Yoya 
he was like ranked three all pro still. Like, I think he still had a very incredible split as a jungler. And I think that a lot of people still rate him super highly um, as they should. And now I think with the acquisition of Niski, just having a stronger mid jungle, in my opinion, is only going to do wonders for this team. But what do you guys think in terms of, do you think this has now put them back in playoffs? Do you think this has now put them back in finals contention? What do you think about the addition of Niski? I think the team will be stronger. I think the team can only be stronger with Niski joining because I think um, Riker just looked too weak in his rookie split. Sure. I think the only games he was winning and the, at the end of the super week, I think they went 3-0, three games of TF, right? Like the only champ he could play was TF or Rise or some kind of roaming champ. He could never really carry games. Um, I feel like Niski brings, again, a lot more consistency, experience, overall better player. Does it make Mad Lions back-to-back champions again? No, uh, I don't think it will. It will make this team a top three team either. I think it has. I think this team. If I'm going to be brutally honest, I think Armut had a pretty poor split as well. I yep. think that's kind of overlooked. Where it's like mid lane is an issue, but I also think top lane was an issue as well. I and agree. Armut staying, I'm sure he's going to have a lot of self-reflection. He himself is a two-time back-to-back champion, right? In the LEC, so I'm sure he knows where he's going wrong. Um, but I do think Elioya is is still insanely good jungler. This team is gonna upgrade. I think maybe they could push playoffs, um, but I don't think it's gonna be like the saving grace for Mad Lions. I I'd say a similar. Um, I think to to come in to this team after um, the whole spring split, um, the, it comes with such like it's such a big amount of weight on this heavy baggage. Yeah, for it's, sure. it's heavy baggage, you know. I think they had a lot of issues in 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 spring, and you know, I I don't know who, which player could be uh, the the solution for su- such a situation. It's just very tough uh, to to imagine, and um, in my mind, it's like if the expectations are that uh, Mad Lions are going to win championships again, then this is going to be set up to fail. I think they might, you know, in the context of the other teams, because I think the other teams have also made a couple of improvements or maybe just my opinion of them has shifted in the span of the offseason i think uh like battling for playoffs is going to be be tough but uh, maybe they're going to 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 edge in you know because like i still remember you know kaiser has been widely regarded as a very good support for a while now since his introduction to the split Mm. and then when you pair that up with it was that's what made that team good right humanoid elioya kaiser that trio was the trio that we always talked about as like the backbone and reliable carry core of the mad lions uh, with armut and kazi kind of just being facilitators doing what they needed for the team and they could pop off and they had their games but it was that trio originally um and now the question is do you think that niski can fill the role that humanoid was able to in the past and the irony is you know Niski was on Fnatic, Humanoid that went to Fnatic, mm-hmm. and now he finds oh, himself the narrative, in Mad the narrative. Lions. narrative, you've right, got right, all right. the stories yeah. written down. <laughs> but it's, it's really interesting. Mad Lions versus Fnatic was already interesting in the past. Now it gets even more interesting. And I know for, I'm sure for Niski, this, like he didn't get to play in the LEC last split. And this is probably a huge proving opportunity for him. And, and you rightly say it's a lot of weight on his shoulders because they were back-to-back champions. And it was off the back of the mid laner who effectively replaced him. Mm. And so like there's i think your mother's right this team has way too much heavy baggage to push a championship and uh yeah i think if any if any of the fans were like well now mad lions will surely be top two again it's like if they hit that you should celebrate it like hell mm-hmm. honestly because that's incredible what they've achieved with niski if they don't hit that i don't think anyone expected them to in the first place if they make playoffs i think that should be celebrated as well because that's a stepping stone and I they can play is reasonable for, next year. for this roster 100%. but we haven't talked about some of the other rosters yet so any final thoughts you no, I, I just, in, in my mind, when I think of some of their players, 
what what strikes me is just meta reliance and yeah, i think in a, in a world where things are uncertain that can get dangerous you know it's sure. like let's imagine like kaiser playing range supports it's like Armut not playing Wukong, not Nar. You know, what what happens, you know? Mm. It's like Niski not I mean, on TF, not on Rise. You know, these are challenges that they need to overcome. And uh, as you mentioned, like if they manage to do it, it's 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 a point of celebration for sure. Because they have a tough, tough task, very tough task ahead. For sure. It's mad versus fine. It's going to be hype. Uh, so next we have Misfits. They oh. grabbed uh, Irrelevant from, mm-hmm. for those that don't know, prominent Prime League and LFL player. Um, it's a given that they don't know, given his name, no? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so let's talk about misfits as a whole because Hirit was a player that like with the introduction of schlatter into the roster in particular after they lost razork um one of the things that we often talked about on the broadcast was Hirit doesn't get the same resources that he used to razork uh was a very strong topside player when he originally played for misfits he alongside um VTO. Uh, VTO uh would typically play towards top here give him a lot of resource and then he could be that big carry player when he didn't get that he did struggle now they brought in irrelevant my question is do we think this will suddenly work better in terms of fixing misfits approach to the game or do we think we're going to see very similar to misfits to what we saw last split i'd say you know i don't know much about uh, irrelevant uh but in my mind it's like misfits is team video right and yeah hit it He's not a player that you. It's, it's like he wants to play like Camille. Like he's picked me Camille Jace. every game, and it's like this is these are not the champs that you isolate on an island and then like I move into mid whenever you have uh, an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe these additional pieces. Maybe there's like th- like they came in. It's like yo, do you want to uh, join Team Vitio or do you want to rot in the ERLs? Not rot, that's kind of harsh. That is kind of harsh. <laughs> it's, it's not too bad to be in the ERLs. Yeah, it's, it's also, he was in the LFL, which is a very good... Yeah, yeah. the ERLs are great. The ERLs are great. Sorry, edited something. Yeah. Or do you want to continue playing in the ERLs and yeah. wait for other opportunities? Yeah, yes, yeah. there you go. And I think, I'm hoping that that's the buy-in. Because it's like, this has found success with the, the whole Viteo thing. Yep. And I think uh, it is quite one-dimensional i don't yeah. think this, this is the type of team that is ever going to like beat the much stronger teams unless the meta really really like shoehorns you into that identity and you have some kind of edge over the other teams mm-hmm. uh, but but all in all like the hope is that these players are going to fundamentally fit into that idea more and i'm not sure because i don't know erdot i don't know uh, irrelevant was erdot in bds, erdot in BDS. BDS. i'm mixing everything up <laughs> who okay. do we have in support it's mercer Mr. So they still have the same support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the roster is basically the it's same. It's the same, okay. same roster this week. Yeah. Okay, okay. So like you still look at like Neon and VTO being the primary carries. Yeah, but, okay. Uh, yeah. It's... How good is Jinx right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did have a lot of Jinx games. He did, yeah. To be um, fair, most AD carries did because I could ask, how's the Felios doing, Mr. Yamato? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> well, we keep going today. Um, so um, it seems that General, do you have any overall thoughts from this? Um, well... I, I feel like a bit of a Debbie Downer today, but I feel like, first of all, I want to ask a question. Is this the one summer where there's the least amount of changes in the LEC? Because it feels like... Don't ask a, me that question. It, no, I'm like just trying to get the feeling, But the you thing know? is, generally, spring to summer, ever since the introduction of, like, you know, partner teams, mm. spring to summer has often had few changes. Okay. People yeah. tend to build, and then they'll change, like, a few pieces. Often, the teams that didn't make playoffs make mm. more dramatic changes, but more often than not, like... 
the top teams never change anything. They, they're like, it's fine. We struggled, but we saw the potential. We'll improve. We'll be better in summer. So my take on Misfits is like, I was extremely surprised where they finished in the regular season. Yeah. yeah. Given on how good of a team they were. And, you know, just like, you know, pro players, they like to be like, oh, they're, they're, they're terrible. They, everyone was basically saying Misfits, eh, not that good. But they were, they were like third place, I think, right? They were so, worse than us in scrims. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the way you said that, it's like, that's saying something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, so just when they got to the best of fives, it was a montage for, I mean, it was a G2 who just like demolished them in 3-0. And it was like, yeah. the games were just not even close. And then I always look back to the regular season, like, how the hell did that happen? I feel like they were a team who just snatched so many best of one wins that they perhaps shouldn't have snatched. Yeah. Um, so when you look at comparison spring versus summer, I think they're going to be weaker. I think they won't finish top four again. Um, I don't really see a world where that happens. I, I maybe don't even think they will, will make playoffs. Um, when okay. you bring in a rookie yeah, top laner. I'll be surprised if they make playoffs. I'll be surprised if they make playoffs okay. as well. Um, so I don't want to say it's a fall from grace because I think, again, celebrate that they finished third place, right? But I just, I don't think that team will hit that same level. And you could bring up many reasons. You could say, well, spring split teams are brand new. They're still finding themselves. That's where a team's going to upset. You think of um, SK... 2020 was it when or 2019 when they made <clears throat> playoffs in spring and then summer they kind of bombed out a little bit something like this uh, i think spring is always where teams can kind of climb to a high high but then they'll fall down if they weren't actually that good in the playoffs right mm -hmm. um so yeah i don't know how i don't know what happened in misfits i don't know if here it was like a shot caller or how much he brought to the team but there was obviously games where he was just running it right yeah. there was games where he was just getting <laughs> targeted killed a lot. like his train if you ganked the, the train once, the train would just speed up yep. and every gank would make it go faster and the game was over. Um, yep. So maybe irrelevant. I don't know what his champ pool is. Uh, I saw he played Sion in the ERLs because I think they're still looking for a top laner for their academy. So he has been playing competitive in the last couple of weeks in the LFL. Uh, but he was playing games like Sion. Maybe you're right. Just pick Orin, uh, move mid, get VTO a kill, uh, sack your lane and maybe they can win games. But that being your only play style from an entire split ago, is again outdated in a way where teams will just know exactly how you're playing right, the right, game right. uh so I, I think they won't be as strong as they were in the regular season last uh, last bit okay well expectations pretty low for misfits that's pretty reasonable in my opinion um bds also had some changes they introduced aggressivo into the top lane and they brought in ed dot a adopt i was doing this on my stream yesterday i don't know how to say it Erdote, <laughs> I don't know Erdote, how Erdote, Erdote. as we get closer to the the start of the split obviously we will know um but I was quite surprised the limit was removed on quite short notice as well. Um, I will say that like the replacement of Adam doesn't surprise me. I don't think he had the strongest split. Uh, and I think that Agresivu is someone that I've only heard positive things about for like the last two years. Yeah. Um, he was sitting on Misfits Academy for a really long time. And I, I was wondering when he was actually going to take Hirit's spot. Um, but they never actually made that change around. Uh, and then he did change teams in... Um, the LFL and then almost immediately he came to the LEC so I think this is a young player that has kind of been waiting for an opportunity to prove himself uh, and I think that on a young roster like BDS the question is will he really be able to shine uh, like he has done for so long in the year I think it's good I think it's good to change may as well especially when BDS is such a, a young organization right they joined True. this year they probably look forward to the next year anyway and they want to give these t these players a chance because they might be signed for multiple years give them a chance throw them on the LEC stage I remember they went to Korea with their 10 players and they were scrimming with those 10 players. And these are the five that they thought were performing the best. Completely fair way of judging whether you're which team, uh, which players to start when you're looking forwards. 
Um, so yeah, wish them all the best. Again, I don't think it's a team that's just going to like surprise out of nowhere. You know, when Caps comes into the league from his rookie debut and you're looking at it, uh, his like previous performances in Turkey and things when he's winning t- TCL, going to Worlds, he's 16. I you have a lot of the problem right there. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of promise behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you have t- people like, you know, not to throw shade at them, but like irrelevant Erdote and Agresivo coming in, there is not as much... I feel like in recent years of esports, League of Legends at least, you can't build as much hype behind them unless you win like back-to-back EU Masters. But then if I tell you X-Maddy did that or something like this, right, and he comes into the league, the hype is not as high as it was when Caps came into the league, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, I agree I've heard incredible things about him behind the scenes. Hopefully, hopefully he performs. I think top lane in Europe is one of the roles which needs a little bit more strength towards it, I you agree, know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I think... It's it's such a dangerous thing, right? Because I feel I'm 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 very happy, and I I think it's very good that the ERL leagues have so much fan uh, be, fans behind the players, pushing for the players. They're always discussing the players, but always it's like that 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 hype comes from a place. It's like if if you see me in a in a in a gold game smurfing on some kids, I look like a legend, right? It's mm-hmm. always in the context. I'm not saying RL, uh, most RL teams are no, gold. It's, it's just yeah. a very, very extreme example. It's just that in the context of opposition, it it you look better or worse always. And like if you're going to play against the best of the best, how you perform as a player is also going to uh, look vastly different because you have to think about so many more elements. There's going to be so much depth to the lane phase and everything else. And when players, when 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 fans overhype, you know the, the the rookies that are coming in, it's like the expectations become. Uh, I don't know if it's the case for these these guys because I I don't read Reddit. I like I, I don't I don't keep up. I don't know if it's mm. specifically for these guys, aggressive and Erdote, but it's important to set up the expectation that these are players. If you put them in, that you need to give them time and you need to you know uh, nurture. Uh, that mentality for it's them process, to grow, right? you know, it's like it takes time because often it's like it's, it's it's crazy to me when people are calling to like replace some of the best players that Europe has ever produced. Oh, look at this! This is this is the new up and coming player, but this is that it takes time to get there. There's like so much yeah. level of experience, and I think we're in a new era where it isn't quite the same. It's like Caps is the best example, but there were many players like that in the past who just slotted them in and then then they just became machines because the level of professionalism Mm. wasn't the same as it is now. So I was going to say, what I think is really interesting is the ERLs have actually done a really great job of preparing players for the LEC compared to the past because Caps was what? He took one year? 2017 was when he joined and then 2018 was when he started winning is what I seem to recall. Yeah, yeah. and like obviously relative to many other rookies he was very fast you then have players like el yoya that were even faster mm-hmm. um yeah. but uh you're right in that the the expectations that fans have on some of these players you have to be very careful because the lc mm. really is a different beast in terms of how the um how the game is played but i will say that it doesn't seem that like bds is being overhyped right now oh, i no. think that right now fan expectation is these are pretty positive changes i'm you know i, I i'm what's crowning well that's a big question where is he because uh he's been performing very well in the erls as well yeah. um but yeah i think that right now i i agree with you Cadrell, uh that the changes seem positive but uh 
I think it's on BDS to surprise us. And unless you guys know something from scrims that I don't, um, I, I don't know if... Uh, <laughs> I had nothing to add about BDS because I have no opinion. That's why I just started no, I mean, talking totally about fair. something that's totally fair. different. So the last thing I was just going to say, it's like, I feel like the LEC is just a bit relentless in a way. It's where I think you just see rookies sink or swim on the spot, kind of uh, yeah, within a split. You can harsh. see if they sink or swim. And maybe you have some who are just kind of hovering in the middle and they either eventually sink or they eventually swim. Um, but you either have the, the pop out of the water superstars like in most recent years, like El Yoya. Or they just kind of get dropped after a split or they never really make a name for themselves, which is what they wanted to do. But yeah, I think the ERL is doing an incredible job to set up the mm. players, not only for like uh, the LEC, but also the environment of the LEC. I feel like LEC, uh, ERLs are so much different to old school League of Legends days where now you have like a full staff around you. You're in a gaming house together, you know, back in the days it was just playing from home or you were just kind of chilling in the Challenger series, just playing from home or you never really had that full team environment. Uh, so I think that's good. And I also think the academy... Um, like LEC teams having academies where they can swap yep. in and out is also uh, extremely healthy. Okay, for, so we talked sure. a little bit about rookies, but now we've got the return of some veterans. Vizichachi, mm -hmm. Zerse, and uh, Zhonghun are all joining Astralis. A pretty dramatic change for Astralis overall. Um, Necessary, though. Yeah, I mean, for sure. They were a struggling team. Um, do you think this change is going to make a massive difference, Yamato? I, I think Chachi is legit. Uh, I haven't been paying too much attention about what Zerx has been doing across the pond. Uh, I don't know what's, what's up with him. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I'm struggling. Like, like, when I think of Zerx, I think of uh, Trando and Zerx and the Warwick's. You know, it's like it's... he played the whole zoo. Yeah. You know, it's, just, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> if, if, he, if he brings some of that spice back, it would be very exciting. You know, I think it's it's like they... It's like Astralis, I feel like they 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 keep that same element of we're gonna play against them and it's gonna be weird. Yeah. <laughs> we need to we need to be ready, you know? Yeah. So we, we dropped the game against Astralis last split. They're like Vex, Jarvan, and they just engaged on our foreheads and we were like, Oh, well, we just we just grief draft and we have no chance of really winning. So I think that's that's I, I like it when 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 teams have players that, that force that level of precaution. Mm. Uh, from from every team, I think they're going to be like gatekeepers uh, with with this roster. Okay. But I have no no, no idea what this. The, maybe the support is the next coming of Jesus, and he's <laughs> yeah, going I to mean, bless the lands. He kind of came uh, out of nowhere, to be honest. Place, you know? Yeah, I don't, know, playing, I, don't, I don't know the man. He was basically playing in Challenger's career. Okay, he didn't really have a lot of success in Challenger's career. Um, okay and he just kind of came out of nowhere like i have zero expectations of him because i don't know what to expect um on paper his resume is not the flashiest but mm -hmm. astralis seemed to see something in him um and jesus didn't have a flashy resume in the beginning either true <laughs> very in, true. Like, stables that's you've got a great point there i'm glad that we're comparing <laughs> yeah, don't underestimate him. jesus <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah so but my, my question would be like obviously yamato's opinion is you always have to be careful of Astralis. That's yeah. fair. But do you think, Cadrol, as someone who has to go on a show next week, are you going to rate them <laughs> as like playoffs contenders or no. are they still going to be bottom four? Uh, I think they'll be bottom four still probably. I think they'll be stronger. I think they'll be a bit stronger than spring. Right. Um, probably seventh place, eighth place where I put Astralis. Um, I wouldn't say that they're the tenth place team everyone thinks of them as okay. anymore uh, because I think they just have too much experience Um and too much experience brought to this roster that I think feel like a 10th place finish for like players like Chachi Cirque, even though I think that I would agree with a lot of the fan sentiment that they are, I don't like using the word washed up because I think that's rude and I don't think that's kind of appropriate <laughs> to say about a player, but we haven't seen them in a, in an LEC professional stage for a long time. So True. it wouldn't surprise me if, of course, I mean, Chachi, did he win a split? He was, he, no, he got MVP for a, a finals MVP once, right? And he made a final. Um, well, no, he got MVP. 
back in um, 2017. I got this question in pop quiz. Hamburg, yeah. And was... I think it was the finals MVP he got or no, something. No, he got the MVP of the splits. He's the okay. only top he, liner he to win MVP. He played two finals, I think. Yeah. He played one with Unicorns of Love, 2015 yeah. spring versus Fnatic, Huni. And then he played with Schalke. His narrative's better no, than mine. No, it wasn't mine. Schalke. He played against G2. And... Like he was in Schalke. Uh, wait. He played oh, with Upset. Oh, Nuka. yeah, the summer finals Amazing. in and then they yeah, didn't was, qualify to Worlds 2018. Dude, his that was 2018. That was 2018, you're right. But yeah. I'm pretty sure in 2017, he was on Unicorns of Love and he was it, in the final against G2. That was on the... Um, it wasn't in Athens. It was in Madrid. That was in Hamburg. Oh, he played three finals then, yeah. He played in Hamburg with Zerse and on the Unicorns of Love. And Exile. And Exile. They and played Samuks. a Talon game against G2. Oh, yeah, yeah, It was a 3-1. They won the Talon game. <laughs> anyway, we're going off 10. Anyway, um, um, yeah, I think they'll be a bit better than 10th. Still probably bottom four. Okay, fine. Right. Well, so every other roster has kept the, tame, the, the same. So I'm going to use this as a, a benchmark to shift into some predictions because we have a little bit of time left. So these are going to have to be a this little, little quickfire. This is what yeah. we need. This mm. is So the way I'm going to structure this is I don't want you to predict end of split. Basically, after the first three weeks, you'll have seven games. And to me, this is a really good sample size and a good indicator of like the early part of the split while teams are still figuring stuff out. So within the first three weeks, in the first seven games, who will be our bottom three teams? And there's no order. It doesn't matter. I don't need an eighth, ninth, tenth. Oh, I tenth. like this. I like I this. Because now to people know. can't like, I told you so. Yeah, when I, you just, <laughs> I just need to know within the first seven games, who is going to be like, like what two and five, right? Uh, like who, who will those three teams be? And I don't need an order. I just need to know who I the three teams will be. I would say SKBDS Astralis. Okay, so Kadrel is saying, Kadrel is In saying, no particular order. You are saying SKBDS Astralis. So you're going for pretty evergreen. Okay. Can we do bottom four? No, you're, I'm giving okay. you bottom three. Okay. That's what I'm giving you. Yamato. Uh, I would say same, but I think these teams at the same time, I, I believe they've, they've practiced uh, quite long as yeah. well. That's so a very good point. I, I, think, I think these teams uh, take the liberty to start a lot earlier the split That's because the they need to gain momentum early. They need to win early. Yep. So it's like if they grab, like if one of these teams goes 3-0 in the first Super Week, that's not going to change my opinion of them. Maybe they just right. figured something out. That's what I'm saying. He's right. That's I'm gonna the thing. thing. I'm going to be saying, a bit based here. Oh, hang on. See, that now we started to figure out the game because the thing about the, vitality the, there, the, <laughs> it's the first seven games, right? Yeah. So the, the part that stabilizing starts to happen is week three. So this is where if, if Fnatic went 0-3 in their first week, mm. by week three, they would be four and three. You see what I'm saying? So like, they would be middle of the pack. And see, Vedius the... comes on the show and he invents <laughs> his little games. Normally me and Dracos just get a piece <laughs> yeah. of paper and we go S, A, B, C, D. Yeah, I know you do, but this is why the I think in. this one is more fun and the, and the viewers can also play as well. Okay. So, so SK, BDS, Astralis, you both think will be at the beginning of the split. And nope. the other thing is it's summer, right? Yeah, so, I'm going to change mine a bit. I'm going to put SK, BDS, Misfits. Misfits, mm. okay. You might not give you one last chance. SK, BDS, Astralis. Do you want to keep that? This is so tricky, man. I know it is. That's part of the fun of it. Okay. I think we yes. should exclude him from saying the word fanatic. No, because he'll put. He can put fanatic top like, three if he wants. Yeah, I guess you can put it first, but I feel it's, like it's it doesn't like, bring it would, the full like, story. I can imagine a world where like G two took a long break. They come in the scream a week. I and agree. They just, they just wank around and they they are two and five. Happened to RNG. Like, <laughs> RNG last year. There was a there was a split. They won MSI. They joined. They went to summer split RNG. They went zero seven. I think. There was a split where giants 
and another team that I forget both went five and two. And it was Giants and another team that you don't expect was sitting at the Rock top of our standings. <laughs> but it was it was crazy. Um, and then it normalized as the split went on, as yeah, it yeah. often does. But this is why I think this is fun. Okay, so SKBDS Misfits and then SKBDS Astralis. So sure. middle of the pack. This is what I think get interesting. So there are so four is teams this four here. Teams. Yeah, there are four teams here. Who do you basically think is going to be like three and four, four and three, like that that middle kind of tied kind of up and down performance um i would say g2 g2 mad xl astralis g2 mad xl astralis okay and yamato i feel like i'm I'm forgetting the teams i had astralis in the bottom it's like like i would i would do top top end i would put like vitality g2 vitality and and then g2 bottom end would be I guess We've got XL, uh, Misfits, Mad, Mad Lions would be my Misfits, bottom Mad. Okay, so right now, for context, mm-hmm. in your top three would be Rogue, Fnatic, and XL. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's just for a second, let's have a look. So Kadrill has got Fnatic, Rogue, and your last team would be Vitality, would mm. be top three, and then Yamato. Has this is just for the first three weeks. This is the first three weeks, so the first seven okay. games. So this one would be Yamato. I has hope we can get a graphic. Fnatic, boost. Rogue, right and here. then uh, XL. So that's the one that interests. So you, you think they'll fix it in post? They'll they'll make it visual. Fix it in post. So I'm I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to adjust if you want to. So I'm going to remind some things. Number one, summer split. So teams that don't make changes normally when they when they start the split come in really strong. So a Fnatic, a Rogue, these teams have just spent the off season prepping. And they're going to look to come into the split hot, ready to go, right? Um, this doesn't look right to me. God damn it. <laughs> well, this is the thing. So what you're suggesting right now, would you also like to have a look? Um, so I'm this suggesting right now, that... These are, the, this these are what you're suggesting right. for... And this is after the first three weeks. So week three ends, the score, the seven games have been played, and you are suggesting right now that Fnatic Rogue, and in Yamato's case, he's saying XL mm. will be in the top three mm. of the league after the first three weeks. I don't like. I prefer the S plus. I know you do, but this is much... way more fun for me. <laughs> yeah. Could be, yeah. Okay, Yamato's happy with his choices. Like it's 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 a hard game. Of course, it's a hard game. I'll be wrong. That's okay. And people should celebrate if I'm right. Yeah, <laughs> you'll make a tweet. That's a you good expect idea. Actually. A lot of engagement. We will, we will be wrong, but celebrate if we're right. <laughs> That's how we gas up the teams. <laughs> yeah. Well, so the, one of the reasons why I like this game, I feel is, like I want to change one. What do you want to change? Tell me. What do you want to change? Uh, so you've got actually, fanatic no, no, no. We leave vitality. It. We, leave it. we stay with the gut. We stay with because like the thing no is, more brain. the the hardest part <laughs> I would actually say right is the middle and the bottom of the pack because that's that's a tough divide. Mm. You know what I mean? The middle of the bottom of the pack is but not going to be that different from each I other. I think by uh, week eight, final day, it'll look a lot different. Of course it will, and yeah. that's the point. So, but the, the the scary thing about this is you don't want your early predictions to be the same as your late game predictions because the question is, do you think Fnatic, Rogue, and Vitality will be top three at the beginning of the split and the end of the split? And I would sit there and say G2 is a team I would expect to end strong but not start strong. Exactly. So that's why I would put them in the middle of the pack personally. I would even put Excel a bit higher as well. I think Vitality would fall a bit towards the end of the split. 
uh, okay, and, as well, maybe. And that's totally fine, which is yeah. why I think both of you have very reasonable. You've got I remember, I'll Rogue, remember, who are the best of one kings. They've always been the best of one be kings. So that's a very safe prediction. Fnatic, I understand what Yamato obviously has them in the top three. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll never forget this because I think Perks came on Euphoria in spring. I think it was episode one, two, or three. And he said, it um, doesn't matter about spring, but summer is all about mental. Like, it doesn't matter if you're the best team, it doesn't matter if you're the worst team. If by the end of the split you've made playoffs and you have a really strong mental, that's when like the teams will start to shine. Um, so it all comes down to mental towards the end of the split, I presume. Okay, so we've got our predictions for the first three weeks locked in. And again, there's no order to this. There's no particular order. So if you finish first or third, it doesn't matter. Third, it still counts. So this leads us to an interesting bet. So one <laughs> bet was proposed. And what's cool is you two do have slightly different. So I'm going to put some stakes on this, right? Hit me, um, Hit you, me with the stakes. You have uh, Excel in top three. You have Vitality in I want top you three. to get involved as well. I want to see you lose a Why? bet Why? I mean, what do you want me to predict my top three? Just I would like that. Three, yeah. I think, I think okay, you should sure. join in on this. Vedi can also do a top three. So yeah. Vedi's top three will be, uh, I'm alongside you both with Fnatic and uh, Rogue. I think those are pretty easy predictions. Um, and I am going to say Mad. I'm going to put Mad up there. Cool. I think the consistency kings will be, uh, I feel like you know something in scrims with that little smile on your face. You know, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway. You just like five vote them yesterday. Okay, He's so like... basically what we'll do, what we'll do is someone proposed, um, uh, I believe, I, I don't know if it was either you two or a makeup artist, Marine, but an ice bucket challenge in some case, where we basically have to plunge ourselves in a, a box of ice. Yep. Okay. My proposal is, whoever was the closest, right? So we've got three different options here. We've got Fnatic, Rogue, and basically the difference is Vitality, XL, Mad Lines, okay? If we're all wrong, we all have to get plunged into ice cold, but two of us will be wrong, right? Two mm. of us have to be. Um, okay. So the the challenge will be the, the loser, in. you're in? Okay, I'm so in. the challenge will have to be, we have to plunge ourselves in some ice. I don't know if that's an ice bath or we get dropped yeah. an ice bucket, but it's basically cold, and one of us or three of us or two of us will be plunged in ice. Sounds there good. There will be some things that we have to figure out. Like if there's what two happens, of us, we can only use one battle. What happens if Vitality <laughs> and XL both make top three? What happens in that situation? Rock, I don't paper, know. Scissors. We'll figure it then out. Then we're all wrong again. And then we're all wrong again. That's a great point. So we all but plunged in the ice. So we'll find out after the first three weeks of Euphoria. Um, but I want to give a big thank you to Yamato for coming onto the show. Uh, it's been an thank absolute uh, wonderful uh, having you here. You're a, a wonderful man. Very, very funny. What was the word? Um, what was the word? Ma uh, magnanimous. 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 Yes, it has been an absolute pleasure having you. I prefer you the here. word marvelous. Um, mm. Next week, once again, it will be Cajal and myself, and we'll look to try and get a guest after week one. Uh, but best of luck in week one, Yamato. Thank you. Um, I'm expecting 3 0 prediction, yes? Mm. Who are you playing against? 3 yes. 0. Rogue. XL SK Rogue 22 o'clock on the Friday Rogue XL 8 o'clock uh, I should have got the Saturday. schedule up in advance but now this is only 7 o'clock schedule is on screen there you go Rogue first game oh, Woo! nice big rematch big big rematch this is going to be hype. Vitality I think G2 Astralis well. is also really interesting to me. G2 I don't Astralis. know why. Just seeing G2 after their break, <laughs> yeah, like they, seeing they what they feel back, like playing. They haven't scrimmed. Yeah. They're just like throwing everything on the... Yeah, that's also, Vitality fun. Mad is pretty goddamn good hyped. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Um, wow. And that's day two. 
So we've now also got, I have to emphasize everyone. So I'll read them out to you. So on day two, we have BDS versus Astralis. Game one, SK versus Mad. Vitality versus Misfits. Fnatic versus XL. And then Rogue versus G2. And then on day three, we have Misfits versus Astralis. Vitality versus BDS. SK versus Fnatic. The El Clasico for those really long-time veteran fans. G2 versus XL. And then Rogue versus Mad. So a lot, a lot of, of classics in there. Rogue, Mad, Classic. Yeah, but this is like a really old school one. It's back from the XPeke versus Ocelot days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of... Uh, but I think it even goes back. I wonder if the SK versus Fnatic even went back as far as StarCraft. I think that's actually where the El Clasico started. That's uh, Counter-Strike. Was it Counter-Strike? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But yeah, it was. It, it's actually a long-time rivalry between the two yeah. organizations. It's shifted a little bit in League in recent days. I think it's, it's also... It's been a bit one-sided recently. A little bit, yeah. Uh, but in any case, Maybe let's, uh, let's wrap up the show. Once again, thank you very much, Shimado. Thank you very much, Kedril. We'll see you again next week. Thank and you very much, Betty. For this episode of Euphoria. What a great host. And once again, I want to remind you that you can watch the show on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Thank you very much, and take care. Have a good one. <laughs>